From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and self-acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is French-Canadian artist and poet, Mila. When did you first realize you were different? What were the signs when you were a child that the way you were born was not what was right for you? To me, it was really from as far as I can remember. I would always feel like there was this really clearly feminine energy inside of me. I couldn't fit towards what was asked of me being the man or the boy at that time that I was supposed to be. I would say that even though femininity is really subjective, for me it was a really high presence of mannerism, feminism, and just, I would feel like it. So for me, I would just let myself go until I would say school. Then after, like before that, I would say I would, I would just feel it. That was the way I was feeling. I was feeling like a girl inside, but couldn't really explain it. And during that time, did you have any examples of, of anybody of what it was to be trans or other people that you kind of looked to? No. Growing up, I didn't have any representation. Now that I'm looking back, maybe movies, TV show I used to watch as a kid, I can see there was a trans representation. Not a good one, unfortunately. Most of the time, really bad ones. But I would say I wasn't really aware that it was a thing. It was more of a fantasy to me, wanting to wake up as this girl. And yeah, it would be really like that for me, just uh profound desire to be like that but didn't know it was possible mm -hmm. and you, you had mentioned that to, to in a previous interview with me that you made a birthday wish each year right yeah so until i realized that it wasn't something that was possible i would say every birthday wish for me when i would blow my candles on my uh, birthday cake would be to wake up the next day, please, as a girl. Never happened, of course. <laughs> Until I decided that it was going to be my destiny. Never happened of just a miracle, of course. So I just kept that like fantasy inside of me, that desire that was like profound inside of me, I would say. What was it that, that kind of broke that that dream for you that made you, when you, you said you realized that it, it wasn't possible to become mm -hmm. a, a woman, what was it, what was it that did that and, and how did that affect you? Well, you grow up, so you realize that make-believe isn't really reality. So I kind of realized that it wasn't a birthday wish that was going to transform me into what I wanted to. As I said before, as I started school, being uh, with other people, seeing basically other people that was the same gender as me, and really realizing it wasn't me from a young age, but also being shamed of it because when you were young, you didn't have really a lot of representation. That was the same thing for me. I would say the representation that were in the media was always bad. So kind of forced me to internalize that thing inside of me. But I would say I always knew it though. Okay. Yeah, I just was watching a little bit of the show Disclosure earlier and it really, 
it really set me into into a, a depressed mood in a way because the first half is talking about I haven't finished it, but the first half is talking mm -hmm. about one how hard it is to be trans and two just how bad all of media has been about depicting trans people. It's it's this weird dichotomy of uh, trans people have been represented in movies from the beginning of movies and yet it's like only until recently that it, it's it's been really very negative yeah what, what was it for you that flipped that switch back yeah it's not something you could miraculously or via um, a, a birthday wish change mm -hmm. but what was it that made you realize that that was something that you could do and that it was the right thing for you in high school i would say like middle of my high school i started experimenting with girl clothes so i would basically be myself without coming out i would say i would basically justify it as just like an androgyny and personal taste mm -hmm. And the question, the question came to me by my mom. She asked me, like, is this going to be like a sex change thing? Not in a negative way, but I think like she was kind of like picking some clues there and there. Uh -huh. And for me, I was 16. I wasn't really ready to talk about that. And I didn't thought at that time that my parents, let's say just excluding my mother, my family, let's say my close friend, I didn't thought they were ready for that. And as we talked before, 100% of people pleaser. So I kind of like took it upon me to kind of repress that for people happiness or not to, to not shock them, to not hurt them. So, but I would say that like for me, teenage, my teenage mm -hmm. years were like a experimenting phase for me. Like I started experimenting with like girl clothes and stuff like that. But all through my childhood, I would love to disguise, uh, disguise and just do like these dance show with my neighbors and whatever. And I would mm. dress like with wigs and like I would put like a these bandana, I would put it around my waist and just do like a top with it. And yeah, so I really was free to experiment. But I think to put it as a statement, like I am trans, I wasn't there yet. And people weren't here that also. So what was it that changed in your life that made you realize, yes, I am trans and, and this is something that I'm going to go through with? What was it that made you finally define yourself as that and kind of gave you the courage or the push to move forward? Yes. When I moved to Montreal, I was 18 and I started meeting a lot of people that were trans. They became my friend and we were really close friends. I went to their appointments with them. So basically I saw them being that really androgynous guy to uh, that woman in the end. And for me, that was one thing that was really hard for me to see my friends basically do what I wanted to do. I would kind of live it through them. So. At some point, it became irritating, not in a bad way, but like it became like something that was constantly on my mind that like basically I was just like them, but I had too big of a heart to just choose myself. So <laughs> too hard to put point, yourself before uh, everybody else and what they what they uh, will think totally, of you, huh? Totally, totally. I was mm. thinking about my parents first, all these dreams that they would have to like put on the side or whatever and just i was just thinking too much about what other people would think if i would if i was gonna be feminine enough i had strong beard i was 
I was always that kind of like freaky guy, but I had very masculine features. So for me, it was very scary to just say, yeah, I'm going to be a woman from now on because I wasn't sure I'd be evaluated as one for the standard, I would say. Just the beauty standard that like people will put on trans people. Like if you're not passing, you're suddenly less valid for some people. And that was something that was really scary for me. Yeah, I think that's one kind of at least our initial goal is that that ability to pass but that mm. fear that we never will and will never be accepted as seen or accepted as who we are who we've always yeah. felt inside or wanted to be even though it should never be an excuse because passing is not is not even something important technically i mean yes it makes i mean it has all this privilege like the safety and everything that goes with it yeah. But technically, as uh, your own being, passing shouldn't be one of your, it shouldn't be one of your criteria. Because as, if whenever you're passing or not, like, just living your real life should be the main goal. Yeah, and the first thing you've got to get to is accepting yourself. Everything comes from accepting yourself. Yeah. That's the first thing. Yeah. And when you have lofty goals that you have no way of knowing whether or not you can achieve just because of biology and the, your your physical makeup, then mm -hmm. yeah, it's setting yourself up for too much failure that you, for things that you can't control. Yeah, totally. But I think this can be overcome with confidence. Yeah. Well, it has to. <laughs> it has to. If you want to be happy, you have to go past to that point that it's your life. You have to choose yourself. You don't have to live for other people. You don't have to pass for other people. The only important thing is that you love yourself. So, yeah, yeah, that's basically what made me do the change. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was tired of living for other people. I was tired of just putting my life on hold for other people. Like I had to come out. It was the time. Mm -hmm. Was there something else that added to to that confidence? Or was it just that you tried so long and it was it was just time? It was time. That was it. To mm -hmm. be honest, like I told you when we first talked, for me, I suffered from insomnia for so long because of it. All my life, I thought it was just like something that was, I was just insomnia. And the problem was every night before I would go to bed, I would do my coming out to my mom. Like when you talk to someone that's deceased, like before you go to bed, like some people do that. Uh-huh. Well, I would, I would kind of do that, but uh, I would do my coming out to my mom. Like, it was like a preparation if you want to. And yeah, your nightly point, routine I was just rehashing this story over and over again? Yeah, basically doing a scenario. So at some night, I decided I was going to be cruel. I was going to text my mom at 3 in the morning and tell her, you have to come to Montreal tomorrow. I have things to tell you. And you have to come. Like, you have to come. You have to push it out of me. I need to talk to you. My wow. mom is my pillar in life. It had to be, it had to like start with her. For me, making official meant saying it to my mom. Mm -hmm. So, oops. <laughs> so yeah, I told my mom, she came the next day and we went to the restaurant. So I did my coming out in a restaurant <laughs> that was crowded. Yeah. And yeah, I like living dangerously. So, <laughs> so I did that and it went so well, to be honest. My mom was so supportive from the start and I know that was not going to be an issue. 
it was more about I didn't want to make her suffer. I didn't want to put her through pain. And she was really strong. She didn't live her pain in front of me. So I'm grateful for that. But yeah, for me, it was that was the thing that changed. It was like now it's me or never. It's like I need to choose myself or I'm never going to do it. And for me, the way to go about it was to tell my mom. So that was my first move. <laughs> told my mom. <laughs> and how did she take to the uh, the 3 a.m. wake up call, though? To be honest, she answered. She says, of course, I'll be there tomorrow. Do you want to talk right now? And I'm like, no, 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 no. You, I need to tell you that in person. So, uh, so, so everything was fine. But <laughs> yeah, I gave her a scare. <laughs> and just yeah, like the 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 rude awakening that that three a.m. call is is always sends a, not even just a chill down your chill down your spine, but really gets the adrenaline pumping. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> it had to be now. <laughs> so was that your your first coming out? Had you come out to other people like friends? So here's the funny thing: my trans friends and whatever. It had happened that when we were drunk, all the the truth will come out. I would be like, basically, I would be drunk and I'd just be like, you girl, I have no idea. Like, I envy you and like, I would like to be like you, but like, it's like a secret. And, <laughs> and the day before I told my mom, I told my best friend. And that's him that helped me choose my name and whatever. So that that was the first person I went to because I went through all like his surgery and basically I went through all the process with him. So for me, it was like someone that I could have like trust and also being open to talk about it for the first time. <laughs> so you were you were looking into the surgeries with him before you came out or was that after? That was after. Oh, OK. Yeah. I would say that, like, towards the surgery, I had heard, like, lots of our story before. So when I started transitioning, I wasn't really sure I wanted it. Okay. Switching your icons there. I had, I had you, I had the Twitter icon showing up next to your, your social, and it's not, you're not on Twitter. Who was the most difficult person for you to come out to? The first person I came out to? The, the most difficult. Who was the hardest person for you to come out to? I would say my dad. My dad, not because I was expecting a bad reaction or anything like that. Just, I always had difficulties talking with men. So mm. for me, that was like, me and my dad, we always, my dad loves me very much. We don't have any, there was anything, there was nothing that was bad against the fact that I was trans. Mm -hmm. It was more of a difficulties for both parties to just join in the middle. And so for me, it took me a lot of courage that day when I told my dad. I would say that was the time I was the most nervous and I didn't know how to bring the subject. Mm -hmm. And I had already started. That's the thing. My dad, the last person I told, and I had already started not hormones, but everything else. I had started living my life as a woman in Montreal. So for me, it was hard to just go back as a man there and announce the announcement uh -huh. so but he reacted pretty i would say better than i thought and okay. i would say that all the negative that was in the discussion was more projected towards like his fear of me not being able to succeed in life because of that or because of the cost aspect because it's really it's expensive to be trans yeah oh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> were, were there any fears of safety from either of your parents? Oh, yeah, of course. You mean, I mean, 
that you have a trans children or a cisgender children, you're always going to be more scared if it's a girl. And I mean, for various reasons that are all valid. So, mm -hmm. of course, there was some fear on their side. But I wouldn't say that they put it, like, in a way that would, like, make it harder for me, in a way. Like, they pretty much encouraged me and pushed me towards being myself, so. Oh, wow. Okay. So, they, they yeah, none of that stuff that they, they try to use to kind of keep you, like, from slowing, keep you slowing things down or from, from moving forward? No, 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 no. Not at all. They were just the inverse like they wanted me to do it as fast as i could so i could put that behind me and just going on the next chapter oh, so that's, that's yeah wonderful. for that i'll be forever grateful i think that's what makes my story so unique because mm -hmm. i had the chance to have people that supported me throughout my transition of course yes there was re rejection but not from my family so i guess i can say i'm really lucky for that mm-hmm when we had our previous talk, I was really kind of surprised to hear that some of the, the, the people that turned away from you were actually transgender friends. My, 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 my best friend, which I accompanied, which I went to all their surgery and while well, I would say all their like appointment with them and all their surgery, like I, I seen them bloom from that cocoon to like that big butterfly and it was rough. It was rough. I would say that like it was kind of like out of jealousy maybe or competition, mm. which is really sad because I never really felt competitive. For me, it's more of, of a family vibe. I want to push my sister to do better and I want them to succeed and try. I felt that maybe I had better result quick and uh. maybe it put them into an uncomfortable situation where I can totally understand the feeling. I wouldn't say I would have handled the relationship like they did, but it's part of the process, I think. You become a new person, of course, not everyone's gonna get along with Mila because they were getting along with my old me. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just so disheartening to hear that someone, in, in, not only in the community, but someone going through the exact same thing you are would, would turn on you like that that that's really disappointing yeah. especially since like you had been there for them through their steps they knew what mm -hmm. you were going to be going through and i wonder i wonder how much of that really is that that jealousy maybe you you started to look like you were passing faster and things like that and when when we stick to that thing of like we have to pass otherwise we're not a valid the valid person period or, or yeah. at least a valid trans person or a valid woman i i'm i guess that that could bring up those feelings and i said that's totally. disappointing but it's also I, sad i say i understand on their side also not that i agree with it but i totally understand because i felt that envy before i felt that not jealousy but that envy so yeah there's also that aspect that I really find love earlier in my transition, which is something rare. And I would say that that maybe made them a little bit uneasy with my situation. Yeah. Hmm. Your, your, your friend got jealous of, of that. I can, I can see that. I can see that as well. That's wonderful that you're able I, to find somebody. Exactly. I could see also, cause that was one of my own fears. So. Mm. And I understand that you've been together since then. Your, your, yeah. your boyfriend and you? Yeah. I met my boyfriend two weeks after I started my hormones. So it's been three years with him also at the same time as my hormones. Yeah, I'm really lucky, of course. 
dating wasn't easy. <laughs> I didn't get a guy just like that. <laughs> it was a lot of try and miss. Also seeing people, being able to differentiate people that would actually appreciate me for my person or other people that would actually just fetishize me for my person. So mm -hmm. it was a, it was a hard, I would say, process to find love. That kind of starts to ease into something that I want to talk about. But first, before we get there, I think another thing that would lead into that is work. Did you have, were you working when you started transitioning? And what's been the level of acceptance that you found in a work environment? Yeah, when I came out, I was working in a depth store. So I was doing like the, the night shift, like just just before midnight. So mm -hmm. it wasn't, I would say it was interesting as an experience. My boss was this gorgeous Italian woman. She loved me and she was supporting and everything. Unfortunately, when I started my transition, that's when she sold her business because she had so other many business. So okay. she sold that one and then I can't even tell you the nationality of the people that bought it. Basically, they weren't speaking French or English. It was really hard for me to keep up there because I had basically to assume the manager job, even though I was never trained for it. And uh, mm. I couldn't speak the language that the owner of the place spoke. Yeah. So I found another job in a pet shop. So we're back at the point where I was wearing wigs, still have facial hair, just starting, no hormones yet and nothing. So okay. I started in a pet shop. Unfortunately, I lived a lot of transphobia there. They would call me like Mr. Alex because Alex was my old name. So they would call me Mr. Alex. They would always misgender me. And it was really, really toxic as an environment. Hmm. Then came this manager that didn't like the fact that I was trans, fired me. Then after that, I kind of like became a little bit like I would say on my guard because I knew that not every work would accept me and not everyone. Mm -hmm. I was basically starting to feel the transphobia on a professional level. So then I found a job. It was at Forever 21. And I would say that this place, it was downtown Montreal. People were amazing. I started my hormones there. Like I basically lived my early transition at Forever 21. <laughs> then I met my boyfriend. I moved at his place and everything. Transfer store for another, another Forever 21, I'm sorry. And people were so freaking rude. Not the employee, but the store manager. They would basically ask me questions about my genitals and my boyfriend they would ask if basically my boyfriend was gay or like, how would it work, whatever. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really a safe space <laughs> to work. So after that, I decided that I would study full time. So I started studying and I would say I got along with everyone in school. It was like a girl's school. So there was no problem there. I was friend with everyone. Oh. I had friend. I had problems with some teachers the principal i'm still like battling to get my diploma because they didn't want to give me my diploma oh so really uh, wow oh yeah oh yeah so basically it's like after that I, I found work in my trade with like hairdressing so i was basically selling hairdressing products for hairdresser so 
That went well. Then after that, I left transphobia there where they fired me because they learned I was going to have my surgery soon. So they didn't want to pay for like for the recovery. The insurance. Yeah. Yeah. So that is my uh, experience so far as a trans woman working. Mm -hmm. I would say it's really hard. You can apply so many places and they're going to put your CV in the trash. Mm. However passing you are, it's, it's kind of a social construct to this point. Mm. I feel we're getting better. As I told you before, I'm always hopeful for the future. But it is hard to find a work as a trans person when you don't have a trade. Mm-hmm. And that leads me to what I wanted to talk about. We, when we were doing our pre-interview, you mentioned that you had set up a profile to get in, actually get into sex work. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that, would, that happened after my pet shop work where I couldn't find work until I got the Farby 21 job. Mm -hmm. So I was living in Montreal, it's expensive. I'm doing my transition. It's expensive. Everything was expensive. <laughs> so it was like seeing all my friends that were trans and they were in sex works. And I've always respected a sex worker, always been for it. So I told myself like, why wouldn't I try? There's nothing bad with it. <laughs> and I could make some money and maybe pay for surgery. I tried, didn't work. Turns out I'm not made for it. I didn't even went to do someone, a client. I mean, I couldn't. I just, mm -hmm. I ghosted. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't my thing. But I found it really interesting tried, that, yeah, that... I felt like I was obligated to go towards sex work because I couldn't find any other revenue. Yeah. And I think that's very common. I think a lot of people feel, either don't have options or feel that they don't have options. And exactly. It, it, yeah. was, it, it was great to hear that you had that the positivity in your head about sex work is, isn't something that's to be looked down on. And then I, I just find it, find it fun and interesting that you went through and you set up the profile and got all set up for it. And then at the last moment you realized it wasn't for you. And then you're, you've gone through this, through this progression in your life of doing things for you and looking out for you and you realize it wasn't the right thing for you and you and you stopped before you got into it so i think that's really good i think that's really good yeah i don't think it would have been a bad if i would have done it because i told you i, I don't have anything against it i mm -hmm. think it's it's a work like any other i mean you just have to have maybe the the personality for it or whatever but mm -hmm. i kind of felt because i I was forced to do it because I'm yeah. very, I wouldn't ask help from my parents. Mm -hmm. And I mean, most of the time, transgender people, they don't have the chance anyway to ask their parents. I would have had the chance. I was just, I'm just not someone that like to ask for things. So I was like, I'm going to do it on my own, even though if it means like doing sex work, I don't care. I'm like, I told you, fortunately, it wasn't for me, but I feel like I wasn't really just pushed because of interest i was more pushed because at some point you need to get money and yeah. nobody's gonna offer you a job so you kind of push towards that i think that's that again like i mentioned it, it's such an unfortunate part of the trans story so many women are are sort of forced into that or don't have any other options don't have yeah. family they can turn to it's very exactly because if it's your choice then good, honey. You do yeah. whatever you need. You do your thing. You get your coins. 
fine. But when it's not for you and you're pushed to do it, it's hard. When you are coming out, what it's trying to to transition smoothly and and it's just not coming. We're just gonna we're just gonna jump the tracks a little bit and and go back to coming out and that part of Let's your story. Did you have anyone that accepted you or or supported you that you weren't expecting? What I would say, my boyfriend, because I wasn't expecting falling in love. For me, I was more of a. In an aspect, I wanted to live my transition single and discover myself as a whole being by myself. And I had this friend that was transgender as well when I started transitioning. And she made me uh, do this dating website profile. And she told me, uh, basically, you have to get on the website and whatever. So I did it. And as I said in the beginning, it was... Ugh because there was all these chasers and there were all the, these guys that would like fetishize me and whatever or just like first question they would ask me if I had the surgery which is like so rude and but there was this guy in my DM and he was just always telling me jokes and whatever and he was he was cool like I was talking to him but I wasn't looking to be serious so nothing really serious then after that yeah I decided to met him and then we just it's crazy we felt like we like fall instantly in love and so since then it's been like that but i would say that in the middle of that like the before my boyfriend and between my transition and my boyfriend oh my god i've met some weird people yeah <laughs> so when did you first find people that i that you identified with and identified with you when did you first find community I would say that for me, it was really hard to lose all my transgender friends for a first thing. <laughs> so I wasn't really uh, pushed towards going to find more transgender friends after that. The way it more presented itself to me, since I've always been really out and open on the internet, mm -hmm. some girls came to me even way before they just presented as girl. <laughs> So they were presenting as male still and they came to me asking for advice and just chatting and whatever. I call them my baby. I have four at the moment. <laughs> and uh, now they're all Archite and HRT. <laughs> I don't know why I can't say that properly most of the time. It's HRT. it's very so different between in... French and English, the the, the yeah, pronunciation of like the letter H. Yeah. So yes. So they're all on HRT right now and blossoming and it's really beautiful to see. I would say that's how I kept like close to my community. Like I wasn't alone, even though I wasn't getting support from them because basically I'm like, I'm the mama. Yeah, interesting. So you, you didn't find a community so much as made your own, sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> like I like to say, I'm self-taught trans. <laughs> so... Well, sometimes, sometimes we just got to teach ourselves and just kind of fake it until we make it and figure it out along the way. Very much the, describes the start of this show. Just, I'm going to do something and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> exactly. You, you don't have any expectation anyway. Or please don't put any expectation because you never know how it's going to turn out. So, How did it help you in your transition to have these people that are looking up to you and asking you these questions? I would say it helped me staying on the track, staying true to myself, not um, trying to be someone else. Just always strive to be me, but a, a better version of me. 
just improving. That was basically my my big, how could I say that? That was one big point for me. Doing my transition, I knew lots of change were coming, both physically, mentally, everything. One thing that was really clear for me, though, was I'm going to stay me. I am not doing this to become someone else. I'm doing things to become me. So mm-hmm. it's just going to be me, but I'm proof. <laughs> if I can phrase this, let's see. They, Charlotte asks, did anyone ask you about helping you to protect your legal rights under the law did you have anybody that uh, uh, that looked looked out for you in that way i would say not really like we've talked before i wasn't really lucky in my early transition i've suffered abuse i've been assaulted i've lost work before of my transness mm. and i still don't have my diploma as to this day i'm fighting for it for just being trans so yeah. nobody has ever really helped me except i would say my boyfriend of course is helping me through all these process because i have to go to people in order to get my diploma like i have to make many complaints and everything i would say my biggest supporter is my boyfriend i'm just so heartbroken to hear that that you did suffer a- abuse was that just kind of throughout your story or was there a particular time during your transition like maybe at the beginning when you weren't passing where it was it was happened to happening to you For sure, before I started hormones and started basically passing a little bit, I suffered a lot of abuse. Like, I would say basically it was more assault. Like, I, I even was, like I told you that time, I was assaulted in a bus by 12 guy, and nobody in the bus was reacting out of, like, I don't know. I don't know really, because I would have helped. But it, a lot of moments like that happened to me, like just guys following me in the streets or people just following me out of the metro or the bus and like insulting me, spitting on me and things like that. And that was hard. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't fun. Do you feel like it's it's mainly the city that you live in is not very friendly or the awareness isn't good? What do you think that comes from? I don't know, because being from Canada, I often hear that, like, we're so lucky to be in Canada because it's worse uh, everywhere else, apparently. As a trans person, I have difficulty saying that because I'm still being targeted. But I am aware that where I live is probably something that's beneficial for me, because living in Canada, I don't have, I won't go in prison for just who I am. Yeah. But of course, I mean, I think everyone around the world, especially trans women, trans women of color, we're living violence and discrimination on a really high level. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say that it's because of where I live. I would even say that maybe I got it more easy than other people just okay. because of where I live. But it's, yeah, the, I think your story proves that nobody has it easy as as a trans person. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely not. That's for sure. I mean, one trait that I've always seen in transgender people is resilience. And (laughs) we are strong. We are resilient. We are courageous. For me, people would often tell me I was courageous and I would just roll my eyes and I'd be like, I'm just me. Yeah. But we are courageous. The moment we assume ourselves, we lose all of our privilege. We become unsafe in a way we become a target and we become very vulnerable to the eyes of everyone. We're living our transition in front of everyone in a way or not. So I think that wherever you come from, it's not an easy process. Definitely worth it though. You had mentioned that you knew from early age that you should be a girl. 
and you went you went through things did you have your transition goals all laid out once you decided you were transgender or have they shifted as you've gone through your transition well of course they shifted because the first goal for me was to get my hormones of course which was a long process. I have a certain idea of how it goes in the States. I know for us here, you have to see a psychiatrist or a therapist or mm -hmm. even a sexologist. Or I don't know how to say it in English. Someone that's like a therapist, but for sex kind of issues. Wow. So you have to see someone like that, that basically will evaluate you throughout many appointments. Mm -hmm. And basically they'll write a letter for you that says this person should have um, HRT. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you have to find a doctor that specializes in that. And you have to get a prescription for them. Mm -hmm. So that was my first goal. I would say I attained it in a year and a half of living as my true self, uh -huh. uh, as Mila, I would say, like every day I would be Mila. Mm -hmm. So there was no boy anymore, but it would took me, it took me a year and a half to get my hormones. And that was, and that was just basically the process. It took you a year and a half to get through all of the steps you had to jump, all the hoops you had to jump yeah. through and all the steps you had to take. Yeah, because yeah. the process wasn't that long, which was long was basically putting you on a list to see a doctor that specializes in that. Mm. And then after that, the doctor to, uh, well, basically secretary or whatever, to call you back to tell you that you were uh, going to be next. Okay. So that was maybe eight months of waiting. Wow. Fortunately, my doctor after, after that decided to become my family doctor. So now I don't have any weight anymore when I want to see him or if it's uh, anything to do with my hormones. Also, I was really lucky. I got a doctor that was really working with consent. So basically anything I brought to him, he was like, we're going to try it. But if you don't feel good, you tell me. Like, So that was really good for me because I was able to convince my doctor to get progesterone, which I really recommend to anyone transitioning, get yourself progesterone. You make the booby grows. So you want progesterone. It's good for your boobies. Okay. Mm -hmm. You want that. Uh, yeah, so for me, it was really good. Yeah. Go ahead. Just, for say, but yeah, let's put the caveat in there. I've, I've heard that uh, you have to be on HRT for a year before you get onto progesterone. And there's, you're only on it for a limited period of time because of the effects it, it does. So we will talk about hormones and things on here and, and, and different things, but always go with the advice of a doctor. Never try and do it Absolutely. on your own because there, there are so many things that can happen. So just to, to be safe, go through the, the proper channels because the most important thing is for you to, to be safe. Absolutely. Uh I would never recommend someone always go to the doctor. Like mm -hmm. I know it's long and I've been tempted by other alternative, like uh -huh. street alternative. Do not go for that. I've seen results. I've seen complication from that. Not on me, uh, on other people. Mm -hmm. um, it's serious. And anyway, it's something you wish for you. You wish so much for. Do it right. Your doctor is the best person to tell you what to do. So, yeah, I'm totally agreeing with that. You should always listen to the doctor. Mm. But yeah, hopefully uh, when I get to progesterone, it'll do those those good things. So oh, yeah, did, <laughs> did, I'm, I'm kind of bored with the therapy question for today. How c confident and valid have, have you been able to become as a woman? How do you are? Um, yeah. How, how confident and valid do you feel as a woman? That's a process. 
I would say that I no longer feel the kind of imposter feeling. Okay, that's uh, great. Since more than a year, at least, oh, at the, at least, I would say that for me, sometimes it would be like being in a group of girls, sometimes feeling like the odd one, the one that's different from the other one. Fortunately for me, it didn't last. I would say I feel confident and I feel almost not dysphoric anymore. Like I only have dysphoric through my bottom. So for me, it's like life has been pretty good to me towards transition mm -hmm. so far. But yeah, and, and uh, speaking to hormones again, I've heard that it's usually about a two-year a two-year timeline for that, that uh, about the end of the two years is when, you, when you've really had the best of the changes and yeah, you're, that's where you look the most feminine and, and all of those things. Yeah, for me, with my doctor and therapist have told me, it's basically after three years, it's what you get. So for me, when I completed my three years on hormones, I was like, okay, that's what I get. I'm happy. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, for me, there was no deception towards that. But yeah, normally it's after like two years, three years, you're pretty going through uh, what you're going to get. We've got a, a new person that's popped in in the chat. Mila, all the family watching, all the family is watching, you're um, amazing, my little shining star, we love you, and that's uh, Tati Kiki. That's my, that's my godmother, she's mm -hmm. so cute, I love her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so welcome in, Kiki, thank you so much for, for being here. Your yeah, name's Natalie, but when I was, I would make up name for people, and for her it was Kiki, so it always stayed Kiki, like in my family, everyone calls her that. And uh, yeah, she's my godmother. She's fabulous. I love her. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I think we kind of covered what the, the big hurdles were for your transition. Uh, I mentioned in the open from your little bio that you wrote for me that you're looking forward to bottom surgery. Have you cleared all the hurdles for that? Yes. So at the moment, I'm only waiting for a date. So basically, I have one appointment with uh, the surgeon to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm waiting for that appointment. And then after that, I'll have a date for my surgery. So I'm hoping that it's like anywhere uh, soon because um, from last news I had, it was supposed to be around November. Now, of course, with the COVID and everything, it's kind of going slower, but apparently I would be next on the list. So oh. I'm really nervous, really happy. Uh, I'm nervous in a good way, though. I'm not uh -huh. scared at all. I am okay. so happy it's going to be done. I have so much support. My dad redid the apartment that's on top of his house. So basically, I'm going to be able to live that while I have my my recovery. Because for me, it was important. I don't live in the same city as my parent. And for me, it was really important to live that recovery with my mother and my dad. Because um, mm -hmm. it's finally coming all together. Uh -huh. And I really wish, like, I really feel like I need these two uh big pillar in my life next to me when it happens yeah yeah it's important to have that that great support and of course you always mom, mom, want mom to take care of you when you're not feeling well well exactly. you how far away are they from where you live by car it'd be like an hour and a half so okay it's not that far with covid i haven't really been able to see them see mm -hmm. my family i really miss them <laughs> so your plan is your boyfriend's just gonna come out and visit you here and there when he yeah. can my boyfriend's been able to work from home since covid so what's good is since i have my apartment he'll be able to stay over and uh, yeah that's great that's great so you'll, you'll have really everybody excited. around you 
I'm really excited about it. Mm -hmm. I just love that you're going to have all of that support around you. All the people that you love the most will be there for you the whole time. That's great. Yeah, it's unique. <laughs> what were some of the biggest learning curves or things you've had to get used to as you've transitioned? Ah, the way women are treated in society. Hmm. Um, losing my male privilege, it showed. Even though I wasn't using them, like I wasn't like a toxic male person, I've seen a lot where there's privilege for men and where there's not for women. If there's one thing that it taught me is we're all in the same boat and you gotta love, you gotta cherish other people, you gotta help them, you gotta be there for the people. I think the reason why I realized that way before is because maybe I didn't need all that support before. I would say that one thing it really learned me is how it's different for women. We do not live the same life as men. We don't have the same privilege. We don't have the same opportunity. Mm. We're looked differently. For me, it was a big clap in the face to see how women are really treated once you're one. Yeah, that was just, one of the big clash for me. <laughs> this goes to the, the broader society and the, the major hurdles we still have to climb there. Oh yeah. I'm really mixing my metaphors badly today. This is hilarious. I don't know if anybody else is picking up on this, but I keep doing that. <laughs> How has transitioning affected your mental health? What, what changes have you seen there? I started loving myself as simple as that. I, I'll go deeper in that, but I mean, the first point, I started loving my envelope, why exteriorly. For me, I don't know if, do we have to place trigger warning if I'm going into deep stuff? I don't think so. I, I would just say that I think a lot of people understand that we do dive into some serious stuff here. We've talked about sex work and, and abuse that you suffered, so... <laughs> I, um, I don't think so, but, me, but yeah, just, just, I hope people understand that, that we do talk, talk about those serious and, and raw topics. Yes, exactly. For me, one big change was mostly that my teenage year are the one that I would say I suffered the most because I wasn't true to myself and I was mostly just do living for other people. That was really hard. And I started doing self-harming to myself at a young age. When I was 10, I started uh, cutting myself. Yeah. And it pretty much followed me since. And I started abusing drugs when I was a teenager. I would do a lot of drugs, uh, alcohol. I would party a lot. Basically, I really didn't care what was happening to me in a way because it wasn't me. The difference I would say my transition brought to me is that I would never do that to Mila, you know? That's wonderful. I'm glad that you found that self-love again through your transition. Yeah. Oh, I only needed to come out to love myself and to treat myself the way other people would treat me because people would love me, but I wasn't... I couldn't realize, I couldn't accept because I was in love, in love with myself. So yeah, I yeah, that, that, that for that, me, transitioning saved my life. <laughs> I think that's true for a lot of trans people, and I think that the inability for them to to come out or to find the support is some of the reasons that we've lost so many, so many of the people in the yeah. community. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, I think. With that, we're, we're done with, with being dark or worrying about 
triggering people. Let's move on to yeah. the fun question as we get towards it, to the very end here of your transgender story. Yep. How did you choose your name? I chose my name with my best friend the night before I told my mom. So we didn't do anything serious. I wasn't planning on choosing right there, right now. But I wanted to have like a small idea just in case my mom would pop that question. Did you thought about a name? So mm -hmm. I wanted to have a small idea. I still have the list. It's like in my memory box. The list was long. We did a lot of tests. The way I proceeded was calling me, um, asking my roommate and just myself, refer to myself as that name for a couple of weeks to see if it would stick with me. So with all the choice that I had on my list, I decided to go with Mila because A is my favorite letter. I wanted to keep an A. I wanted to keep a name that would start with an A or finish with an A. Okay. And my mom names Marjo, like Marie-José. So to me, the fact that it would start with an M, finish with an A, I don't know. It would just fit. I wanted something that would kind of symbolize something about my mom and about my old self. My old name being Alex. So it's a four-word letter, just like Mila. Mm -hmm. And it has an A. And it has the M for my mom. So that's kind of like how I chose that. <laughs> that's very cute. Very cute. I love I love any of that time, the, the stories that tie in family in some way. So for the last question of this section, I like to help our viewers, anybody who's young or closeted is looking to trans transition, has maybe is, is a little hesitant or any of that kind of stuff what advice do you have for them give you the advice that my mom gave me choose yourself choose yourself because it's worth it it changed my life for the better i never thought i would find love i never thought i would find myself feminine anything is possible mm. and even though it's not as good as you expected it's going to be better i promise you have to choose yourself, no matter what. To live a life happily, you have to. So that would be my big, big, big main advice. And always remember that family is important, but you get to choose your own family also if you need to. There will be people on the other side for you if you need to. Just do what's best for you. Mm -hmm. That would be my main advice, choose yourself. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from the Transverse Network. Watch the full video version of the show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash thetransverse and be sure to catch our slate of other great shows there as well. If you love what we're doing and want to support The Transverse, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash thetransverse.